Now, just a, a quick word. Um, as you know, Chat 10 Lops 3, been around for five years. Uh, just it's a burgeoning sinkhole of sort of semi-useful enterprises. <laughs> <laughs> it's spawned a Facebook group, newsletter. Um, Instagram, Twitter, this podcast that you're listening to, you can yep. go and sign up for the newsletter if you want, chat10looks3.com. Oh, well done. <laughs> APIs. Um, but we've also got a subscriber button too. Disappointingly, it doesn't get you anything else extra because we want to keep everything available and free for everybody. The newsletter, the um, Facebook group and podcast and everything. Um, if you've got a few shiny coppers to spare, and obviously not everybody does, um, head to our website, www.chat10looks3.com, and there's a little subscribe button. Well, there's not actually. You have to click on menu. Oh, sh- okay. When you click on the menu, Details. it comes down, and then it says subscribe in there. Thank God I was here to rescue that yeah. promotion. So, yeah, and visit if you our menu. Subscribe, if you'd like um, to, I'll give you Lisa's home address. <laughs> and, uh, you can pop round and, um, you know, jump on her in the shower. You're oh, welcome. God, that's actually terrible. We can't say that. Hey, uh, you have been reading something that actually you finished and you very kindly left it on my front doorstep and I'm dying to read it, but I'm saving it because I've got a week off in July and I think it's going to be a good holiday read, but I want to know what you think about it. Rodham by Curtis Sittenfeld. You said a few weeks ago that you were going to read it after you'd read the Laura Bush one, which was yeah. that one called again? That one was called The American Wife. That's right. Okay. Mm. And so now you're into this. Okay. So it's mm. it's only been out for a short time um, and it is, look, it sounds like a sort of weird concept for a novel. It is the novelised account of what would have happened to Hillary Clinton if she had not married Bill. Wow. I know. Like, so you hear that premise and you think, oh, wow, huge, massive fictional undertaking because it's got its roots so deep in fact and real people. And the novel has real people in it. And she goes back to college when Bill and Hillary met which they did at law school, and this is true. Hillary was an extremely nerdy, very, very passionate social justice campaigner. She'd been valedictorian at um, her um, uh, college. She was um, incredibly clever and very diligent and, um, you know, worked in a pro bono um public law enterprise and in her spare time or whatever. And Bill was this sort of um, from Arkansas, um, you know, total southern boy. um, And he introduced himself to her, hit on her. She was like, well, he must want to come and volunteer at the law project. Like, I'm not the kind of girl that this sort of super confident, handsome guy hits on. But they do, in fact, get together. And then... And the real story is that then they moved together to Arkansas mm. and um, she worked in a law firm and he ran for governor, governor successfully and then for president. And she was at his side throughout. Two for the price of one was their, remember, yep. their campaign slogan. So in this book, something happens in Arkansas. They don't stay together, right? Oh, so, I, oh, the, so, that, so they get the together, but they split. Correct. Okay, great. All right. I yeah. was wondering if it was going to be that they never met or how no. she was going to... Okay, so they met, but no. they split. Okay. No. And so then, of course... Has she been married? The Do they get married and then separate, or are they never married? They don't marry. Okay. Yep. So that... And I'm not giving away anything, because the, okay. the, the premise of the book is that they never got married. Okay. So they meet, yep. and they fall in love, and then Go something happens. Yep. They don't get married. Yep. And then they live their separate lives. Does, I, I don't know if I'm asking too many questions <laughs> in this, but does he still become the president? 
I can't answer that question. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yep. So, um, so you, you sort of sense what the intricacy of the project is, right? Like, and she's done this before, this writer. Like, she wrote about Laura Bush. Yeah. And I found that an absolutely intriguing book. Um, that was mainly about the pressure of essentially a Democrat marrying a guy who became Republican president. How do you deal with loving somebody whose politics you don't really agree with? Anyway, um, but this is something different, right? It's about, and I, I found it a really, particularly by the end, a, a really emotional read. I found myself being overwhelmed by responses that I did not anticipate. Wow, how fascinating. So at the end, I actually cried and I was just thinking, what is going on with my response to this book? And I think... The main thing that the book makes clear, and here I think is the genius of the idea, like in the end, what Sittenfeld is portraying, even though there's an immense amount of intimate and I assume made up largely detail, which is awkward. I've been urging Hillary Clinton reading it. I mean, it's a super risky proposition. Yeah. But the, strong, but the thing that emerges most clearly from the book is something actually divorced from Clinton herself, or Rodham, which is it paints a portrait of how women candidates, it doesn't matter, you know, if they are better researched, better qualified, more boring, like the sort of person that you would want to be running your country, even if they make precious few mistakes, the ones that they do, they're punished for in a way that is vastly disproportional, disproportionate. And also this question of whether they're likeable is just weaponized. Mm. And so you read this book and it's powerful, not because of what it says about Hillary Clinton, I, I don't think, but, but what it evokes and the, the touch points that it inflames about the treatment of women in politics and these weird hoops that they've got to jump through. Um, and I guess when you read it in the background, you have the Trump presidency, which is, yeah. you know, a dude who's, you know, who makes so many mistakes that they're almost a part of the brand, right? Like, mm. and can you imagine any woman ever getting away with that? And it, it kind of um, reminded me of that great essay that I think I read a little bit out to you um, of once, which is um, Lindy West's oh, yeah. Absolutely Savage comparison of when all those movies were coming out about Ted Bundy and people were like well he was just so likeable that's the thing I mean, he was just so appealing and she's like Elizabeth Warren is literally running for president right now and people are like oh, she's just not likeable a man who murders women is likeable and somehow Elizabeth <laughs> Warren who's like highly accomplished just oh, yeah but just not quite likeable anyway so it's a, it is I could not stop reading it. Mm, um, I can't wait. And the other thing that it really like it explores is, and, and this is um, a really unattractive part of the book and equally fascinating, is in the book she does run against Barack Obama and she loses to him. Um, and there's a really fascinating racial subtext going on because the way that she gets into politics in the books is by walking over a black candidate. So, and she has this really close black friend back from university days who splits with her over it. So there's this subtext too. And and 
she kind of doesn't feel bad about this when she does it because she's like, well, it's politics, you know, and th this candidate wouldn't have won. And then by the end, she really feels bad about it. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, so there's a... And there's that weird kind of equation when that happened when she was running against Obama in real life of this kind of like, well, one of us has got to be the first something, the first yeah. black president or the first woman Female, president. Yeah. So there's all of those kind of intersectionality issues oh, bubbling along as well. Absolutely fascinating. It's, yeah. I think what you were describing before um, about being emotional with it, I do think it's impossible to ignore the backdrop of the Trump presidency and how his leadership is so, regardless of your politics, utterly irresponsible, blustering, full of untruths. Um, and it's, you know, I think if you love America, you watch what's going on there at the moment and it's just devastating. But I do think when Hillary Clinton lost in 2016, again, sort of separate to politics, I think that one of the reason that reasons that women found it sort of crushing well, some women found it pretty crushing, is uh, um, because... Well, heaps of women voted against her, yeah. That's true. Um, a, a particular type of woman I'm thinking of. But it's because what it says is you can work so hard and you can do everything right and you can, um, you know, be the person who knows the most about everything in the room and all of the rest of it and you can tick all the boxes you have to have to tick and at the end you can still be just pipped by a complete Neanderthal for whatever yeah. reason. Yep. Um, and so I think that that was sort of quite crushing to observe that and think on any stretch she is a more qualified person to be President of the United States and would be a safer pair of hands as President of the United States. How could people have elected this completely ill-prepared buffoon of a human being to do that job? Um, and, you know, I don't say, say those things like because I do value my objectivity as a serious journalist, I say those things because they are provable fact. Mm -hmm. Like you can go and point to a million tweets of Donald Trump that shows that he is irresponsible, narcissistic, blustering, thin-skinned, buffoon-like in his behaviour. That is just provable fact. Mm. Um, and, you know, that the fact that that per person is the President of the United States is, uh, you know, devastating. <laughs> I spent a bit of time thinking as I read it like what Hillary Clinton would think reading it. Like it's it's so intimate. Like it's yeah. so intimate about their relationship. So obviously, you know, it, it Curtis Sittenfeld's, you know, read everything and is just yeah. guessing the yeah. last, you know, yeah. third or whatever. Um, and I thought initially, God, you just hate this. Like imagine having this written about you. But then I thought by the end, I actually thought, I wonder if, I wonder if, Hillary Clinton would read this and feel relieved that someone is telling this story that's not her because yeah. her own narrative is just hopelessly contestable and I mean as for you know somebody making something up about her well I mean this is a woman who of whom it was reported that she was like running a Porn, like a, a pedophile sex ring out of a pizza shop. <laughs> yeah. Like this must be a walk oh, in the park. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Well, I mean, I guess supplying well, weapons to ISIS. Like, yeah, it's interesting because I mean, obviously, I, I'm assuming that you. Well, I, I'd be fascinated to know like the legality of it because I'm assuming because it is so clearly labelled as fiction that you wouldn't have any grounds to claim 
defamation or whatever. But there must be some legal recourse if you wanted to go there. But maybe she'd be happy that somebody has... um, Because it's probably got detail in it that Hillary Clinton herself would never publicly share. Imagined detail, I'm talking about. Um, And that imagined detail, though, perhaps if it's empathetically written enough, is, you know, an approximation of the truth. So maybe she'd be happy for that to be out I will say, I think that the novel makes the point so reverberantly that if it was made by Hillary Clinton, people would be just be like, oh, of course you'd say that, you know. Yeah, you, you right. Know, playing the gender card or whatever. Like, it's so plain. Anyway, it's I just... It's, it. it's just a reminder of how powerful fiction can be, I reckon. Like, as... And I felt ooky about the premise. I'm like, oh, it seems a bit like a cheap shot sort of thing, but it's not. Like, it's, mm. it's just a really absorbing thought-provoking book so yeah good hey um you, there's another thing that you i know you've watched a bit of and i'm dying to hear what you think about mm. it mrs america oh yeah right so um this is um this is the account of phyllis phyllis schlafly who was like a total um you know anti-women's lib campaigner who kind of became very powerful um in the u.s um i'm I'm enjoying it. I kind of keep thinking... I kind of keep thinking that the series... Like, it's a lot about her life, but some of the... Some of the actual political events are a bit stylized for me. Like, they just... Right. You don't get a lot... I mean, I, it's not supposed to be a history lesson about the period. I get that. But I think... Um, I don't know. I feel like the depiction of some of them are a bit... It's a bit, it's a bit cartoonish. So it's not hooked you in massively. Um, not massively. I mean, I kind of I love watching Kate Blanchett. Um, and I, I mean, there are some great actors in the series. Is it? How do you watch it? Um, with my eyes, generally. Oh right. Sales, what oh, are you? Okay. What are, is it on? Um, because it's not on Netflix, right? Oh, I it's can't on, remember. I get, oh, I get my I manservant to to, to line do that. Oh, I just we've I watched about three or four eps, and then right. we kind of got into Last Dance and haven't. Oh, I can't. Oh, I want to come to back to Last Dance it's, in a second. I mean, it's, um, it's it's like brilliantly made. It's got incredible outfits and all that sort of stuff. I just um, actually, I since you've raised Last Dance, might as well jump into it now. Are you liking it? I'm done, baby. Yeah, I'm done too. Yeah. Did you, clear, what did you think? Clear. Oh, absolutely, absolutely loved it. Um, just because we were talking about... And I also didn't hate Michael Jordan at the end of it. I, you I didn't hate people, Michael Jordan? Yeah, he sort of says, well, you won't like me by the end of it. And, like, well, you know, I just thought it was a really I, interesting... I, I, I... It's interesting that this has come up in the context of that we just talked about likability of public figures. Mm. Um, I... I certainly had a lot of respect for his ability and his work ethic and his focus and all mm. that stuff... I just thought it was disappointing that he, when he was playing the game, he was just a bit of an ass. Mm. He was just horrible to people. And I just felt like particularly young players coming through, like I think there was a guy named Reggie Miller who was in a different team. Uh, People sort of came in and they, like, you know, obviously idolised him. And I felt like his personality was that he wanted to crush people, not bring people with him and bring pe- build people up. And so I found that sort of disappointing that I, I felt like he could have maybe played more of a role in mentoring some of those young guys. But then again, I think, well, why do we need more of a contribution than, from him than just what he did on the f- court? Yeah, I've I got to say, I think by, by the time he was at peak stardom, I mean, I don't... How does a human being operate Oh, in his that life bubble? was like, unimaginable, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, sure, he's got heaps of flaws and, you know, I, but 
I think that he suffered from a real asymmetry of expectation. Like, yeah, maybe. And maybe if you're making a bajillion dollars from Nike by selling your profile to them, then maybe you know you have a you have an obligation to pay it back in some way. But also, I don't. You know, I I just think people who look to sports stars for um, saintly behaviour and motivations yeah, are just always but he up became, the tree. We he, keep doing it. He became more than a sports star. He became like a genuine cultural figure. Although I think Obama basically said, and it was interesting, Obama said a couple of things that stuck out, stood out to me. One was he talked about there's no doubt that the Chicago Bulls um, played and that, that dream team of the Olympics in 1992 played a huge role in sort of spreading American culture around the world and whatnot. So he did, Michael Jordan did become, he and, you know, his place was far more than just a sports star in the culture. But Obama also talked about how um, there was a disappointment among the black American community that he didn't do more. Um, yeah. But well, there's disappointment in the black American community that Obama did yeah. as well. So like, but I think it was interesting because Jordan had the same issue as Dolly Parton that we've previously discussed, which was mm. Republicans buy sneakers too, and he yeah. didn't want to get which he said involved. at one he point. He said, yeah, and Obama, you know, said that that was a disappointing. Um, yeah, but he didn't. He obviously didn't want to um, alienate fans who you know were coming from a different place politically. Look, he's a complex guy, yeah. and I think I was know, also not. I didn't know that his father had been murdered because yeah. I didn't really. I, mean, I didn't know that either. Yeah, so I think that my feeling about him was like knocked sideways at that point where you get to, after this game, he's just in the dressing room, just in a ball yeah, lying on that the was floor. Horrendous. I just think, far out, like, I don't know. That was really sad. And the, it was interesting in the doco, though, he obviously when the death of his father came up, you could see there was some emotion there, but, I mean, I guess when that's coming up, you're expecting there to be mm. emotion so you're able to hold it a bit better. The only bit in the doco where he actually fully starts to cry and had to sort of break and, and, you know, sort of move away was when they were talking about the fact that he just wasn't very well liked by the other players because he acted like such an ass. And it was interesting to see how confronting that was to him to be have it put to him that people thought you were a bit of a dick. Yeah, but that's because he's constantly... He was constantly at that time in a cocoon, right? Like, so he had those... I've got to say, brilliantly dressed security guys. What about oh, the guy with the, the mullet. curly mullet? Oh, oh, that was gold, yeah. I just was, I would just cheer every time that guy <laughs> yeah, came on screen. But I mean, this is a person whose every nanosecond is managed, right? Yeah. Like, and you see the footage of him like leaving a game, absolute huge oh. crowds back to the hotel. You know, this is not a guy who can just say to the teammates, oh, let's hang out in the pub and shoot no. some pool, right? Like, so no, that's true. I, I just think you get to a point of fame where your every need is being coddled by this group of people who are around you whose entire express purpose for their hiring is to yeah. keep you safe and happy and cocooned and insulated from any kind of yeah. feedback that's yeah. negative. So I'm sure he wouldn't have even realised that, that, you know, that people would be looking. I don't know. I just think people who are in those... Um, cocoons just end up being completely weird people like they're just not like True, normal people I mean, at all like pippin and those guys were very famous i mean do you know the, the character that yeah, i but found they weren't them, the most famous in their team no that's so true. at a different level of um, if, fame too. if they walked into a room they'd know that 99 percent of the eyes wouldn't be on them like so that would oh, be no i reckon if scotty pippin in that era walked into a room or larry bird yeah, but or, if he was next to jordan oh if you're next to jordan yeah, oh yeah, yeah sure, that's right it, so yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, sure. Anyway, I, I mean, well, look, it was great. He's clearly a, like a jerk in some respects, and I think if one of the 
really interesting things you learned about his motivation is that he would get the best out of himself by rousing on somebody for offending him even yeah. though they hadn't. Like, say, yeah. there was one guy who, like, said hello to him but not in a friendly enough way before a game, so he spent the next four games absolutely <laughs> yeah, just ripping the shit out of that guy. <laughs> and I mean... I know. But, you know, this... I don't know. I don't, I don't know how elite sport sports people get themselves all charged up. That was obviously his thing. Yeah. Uh, very unpleasant for people around him. And it did... It did exact cost because I mean you know at the end of some of the there was one I think it was maybe the first title that they won where he's just like holding the trophy and he's just bawling mm-hmm. and the teammates are going wow we've never seen any emotion from him before yeah. it's like it's like he's crying because the cost has been so massive and he's just the level of relief seems like coming off him seems like almost palpable but look in in a great bit of news for you oh, because it sent me down a basketball rabbit hole oh, I just ordered two books from Booktopia oh. one is Sacred Hoops by Phil Jackson who's the coach of the <laughs> I found him a fascinating know, character right, yeah. um, and so I'm keen to read his uh, his life advice and also When the Game Was Ours by Larry Bird and Magic Johnson about their friendship and rivalry oh, I look so, forward to yes, being I'm bored sure to death by hey, you on can I give you a couple of other quick quick updates yep. on things I've we've previously discussed. In the Woods by Tana French. Yeah, I think when oh, we last spoke because yeah. I recommended it. Yeah, no, I was I was sort of liking it, and then now I just I don't know. It's not turning my pages as much as I would expect a detective yeah. novel to do. Okay, but I but then I also blame it on that I just seem unable to read anything in this oh, corona period. Dream, dream of panic buying buntins. Exactly, right. and okay. I watched uh, two episodes of Normal People. Oh yeah, right. Where where are you at with it? Are you turned on? Take my glasses off. (laughs) The glasses have come off. Oh my god! Look, uh, I'm not liking it, and I'm not going to watch it. I've watched two episodes. Um, I are you from the nothing happens? I hate it, or it's just ridiculous. No, I'm from. It has all the same flaws in my view as the book compounded by the incredibly (laughs) irritating thing which you raised when you were talking about it, which is that Marianne has been cast uh, and is played by this young girl who's so beautiful. Yeah. But, of course, we're hearing all the time about, well, I'm just so unattractive and that's why nobody likes me. Like, So that is really pushing my buttons. And also Connell is just a big (laughs) lug, an annoying lug who is actually just really immature and selfish and like I mean really you like having a relationship with this girl and sleeping with her but she's not allowed to acknowledge you at school yeah. like it's just annoyed yeah. me it's just annoying well it's a divisive series because it's some people are just absolutely in love with it and some people are just glasses off <laughs> on the table and you're one of those I'm actually thrilled to find that this is your response because you're very funny when you're judgy <laughs> um, I also wanted to say uh, you know how I was so nagged about Hamilton and saying Hamilton? Yeah. I would say the second most nagged thing that has been people constantly saying to me, oh, you know, you really need to see Selsey, you're going to love it, you're going to love it, all the time, has been the marvellous Mrs. Maisel. Oh, yes, okay. Mm-hmm. And I've sort of, I've, you know, a bit like Hamilton, I've resisted partly because I feel like the promo material just looks twee to me and that's put me off. Yeah. Uh, I watched two episodes of it last night. I'm sort of teetering on, like, should I watch on or not? I yeah. liked it. It is a little bit twee for me, but I'm thinking, oh, I wonder where it goes. Mm. Maybe it's going to... So I'm, So I'd be curious to hear from people if you want to, like, send me a message on social media. Like, I reckon I, I watched about four or five, maybe half right. a dozen episodes, and I haven't finished it. Uh, um, okay. Yeah. Mm, mm. Not a good sign. Well, 
I mean, I found it entertaining enough, but I didn't. Okay. I didn't find it didn't, hugely compelling. Not like the last and dance, where like, oh, I can't wait to see more episodes drop. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I mean, okay. this is the thing, isn't it? Now that there's so many options, you yeah, can actually right. kick really good things to the curb. Yeah. Totally. Which is just. So you must have loved her wardrobe, though. Oh, 100. Yeah, yeah. Of course, beautiful. Yeah. yeah like, every, very every time she's on, I'm like, like effectively the person I was watching with, I was like, oh, Crab would love that coat. It would look really good on it. I know. Oh, that dress would look so good on Crab. <laughs> yeah, I, I want that whole wardrobe. It'd have to be upsized a bit, but like, <laughs> <laughs> especially after Corona lockdown. Uh, um, how are we going for time? Because, uh, oh, you, know, you can oh. have a few minutes to yourself. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> So I, I mean, like I haven't been reading a huge amount. Um, I really, absolutely smashed through Rodham. Obviously, yeah. Um, I also really enjoyed um, Parisian Lives, which mm-hmm. I talked to you a little bit about during the live broadcast that we did a couple of weeks ago. Oh yeah, yeah, um, that's right. So this is Deirdre Bear, who was the um, uh, biographer of um, uh, Samuel Beckett and mm-hmm. um, Simone de Beauvoir, mm-hmm. and I love the story because. She's written a memoir about writing these, um, and she's she's done um, uh, other authors as well as a biographer. But um, it's such an incredible book because when she started um, writing biographies, she was um, an English student, had two kids, and um, biography, literary biography, was totally out of style at that time. And she just thought, oh, she'd randomly chosen Beckett to write her thesis on and she just wrote to him saying I don't think anyone's ever written a biography of you I'd like to do it what do you think and he wrote back to her and said okay come to Paris unbelievable so she was completely out of his circle but then got drawn into it in this incredibly dramatic way anyway it's it's a terrific terrific gripping book gives you this beautiful glimpse of Paris at the time and anyway I was reading it thinking She'd make a great guest at a writers' festival. Then I looked her up and realised that she died a couple of weeks ago. The oh. author, yeah. Anyway, um, cool. So, um, and the other thing that I'm just dipping into, um, which is completely different, is um, a book by Alison Whitaker um, called Black Work. Now she's a fascinating woman. She's an academic and um, writes, you know, about um, legal issues and like straight academic. Also a poet. Um, I really enjoy her commentary, but the poetry is incredible, right? Mm. Like, I mean, imagine being that clever. Anyway, so this is one of these books that was famous a couple of years ago and I didn't read it at the time. Um, She's Australian I, or...? Australian, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, and I, she was due to be a curator at the Sydney Writers' Festival and she recorded an opening address, which is really worth listening to, um, which you can get through the Sydney Writers' Festival website. And I thought, oh, I haven't, still haven't read that book, Black, Black Work. It is just stylistically incredible. Um, mm-hmm. So it kind of ranges between kind of like commentary, prose, quite a bit of poetry, and it's just, I don't know. I'll read a tiny bit yeah. um, from a poem called The Errand. In this poem, we kill some ants in a bad way, muddy deep in risky bliss that drought has hit and sprinklers mist. We're warming, beading, sweetly leading, petrol hot on the wind casts haze shadows to a keening crowd. So down a dirt throat that ancient petrol stuff goes. And although with that, the errand of brutality is probably, technically, already done, the spectacle is not. Local father strikes and strikes and lights the match. And like opening a window to catch the sun, summons luminous hell passageway into the earth. 
Cozy by a burn-off gas mining flame, slow, slow burn and vacuum, lack of screams for all this death. When this ritual's explained, bubbling in his guts like they're the vapour hell below, local toddler lurches and other hells burst free, brows singed, blistered hands, a prematurely roasted lamb. He bursts, he boils, he screams for the ants. Hmm. It's so <laughs> full on. Like anyway, um, what she does stylistically in this book is just incredible. It is it bends your mind a little bit, and um, it's great. Okay, anyway. cool. Um, all right. Well, better get to work. Work. Yeah. <laughs> work. Work. Yeah. Looking for a mind at work. Work. Stop. Just it. Had to work that in. <laughs> See ya. I'll catch you next time.